just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Please pray with me. Dear Father in Heaven, we ask You, as we do week by week, to join us here in this place this morning, and we trust that You are here with us. May my words be Your words, and all of our thoughts Your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. A friend of mine tells a story about a hunter who was hunting with his friend in a wide-open barren of land in southeastern Georgia. Suddenly, my friend writes, far away on the horizon, he noticed a cloud of smoke. Soon he could hear the sound of crackling. A wind came up, and he realized the terrible truth. A brush fire was advancing his way. And it was moving so fast that he and his friend could not outrun it. The hunter began to rifle through his pockets. Then he emptied all the contents of his knapsack. He soon found what he was looking for, a book of matches. And to his friend's amazement, he pulled out a match and struck it. He lit a small fire around the two of them. Soon, they were standing in a circle of blackened earth, waiting for the fire to come. They didn't have to wait long. They covered their mouths with their handkerchiefs and braced themselves. The fire came near and swept over them. But they were completely unhurt. They weren't even touched. Fire would not pass where fire had already passed. The fire would not pass where fire had already passed. The burned over place had protected them completely. In Numbers 21, the people of Israel are dealing with a different kind of fire. Our translation refers to the serpents that are sent to torment them as poisonous, and they certainly were that. But that Hebrew word apparently also can be translated as fiery. And in some translations, you'll read that these are fiery serpents. But no matter the translation, the people are being attacked by serpents coming upon them like a brush fire, and they're dying in droves. This episode comes near the end of Israel's time wandering in the desert after being rescued from their captivity in Egypt. What should have been a two-week walk has turned into a 40-year journey, and the people have reached the end of their patience. The faith that they had at the parting of the Red Sea is gone. And the scriptures, in our first sentence of the assigned reading this morning, describe them as, quote, speaking out against the Lord. This is a euphemism, of course. The people are cursing God. They've talked before about wishing they were back in Egypt. Indeed, Back in chapter 14, there's a discussion of organizing a coup to raise someone new to leadership, someone other than Moses, someone who will take them back to what they think is the relative safety of their slavery. Their overriding thought at this moment is that their God is an impediment to them and that they don't need him. So God decides to remind them of their need. He sends 
fiery serpents, a plague of snakes that descends upon the people like a brush fire, and many are bitten and begin to die. But it works. The people are reminded of their need of God. Their eyes are open to their sin, and they come to Moses to confess. They say, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. They acknowledge that they've turned away from God, and they ask to be saved. Now, if this language sounds familiar to you, it's probably because we say a version of this every single week as we confess our sins. We say, we lament our many sins and offenses, provoking most justly your righteous anger against us. And then we ask the Lord to have mercy on us for Jesus Christ's sake. We are replaying this drama from Numbers chapter 21 every single week. And as always, God's grace for his people wins the day. Now, we don't, sitting here in 21st century Louisville, expect the grace of God to win the day in quite the way that it does in Numbers 21, do we? What happens there in the desert is a little off the wall. Listen, the Lord said to Moses, make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. An image of the very thing that is killing the people is raised up on a pole. The people are told to look at it and promise that if they do so, they will live. And God's solution works too. Moses does what God tells him and the people obey. And then at the very end of our reading, Numbers 21 verse 9, we get this moving sentence. Whenever a serpent bit someone that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Do you hear the implication here? Death has been defeated. Whenever a serpent bit someone, in other words, every time, whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. What had been an inescapable brush fire of snake-bitten death was now over. The snakes were still there, but death had been overcome. The snakes couldn't hurt anyone anymore. And a couple thousand years later, in his conversation with the Pharisee Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Jesus refers back to this story, to the lifting up of the bronze serpent in the wilderness, when he says that the Son of Man must be similarly lifted up, in order to save the world. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Lifted up and nailed to a pole in the context of suffering and death, mercy from God for Jesus Christ's sake. Now, without the context of our 
Numbers 21 story, we might not understand the full implications as so many did not and still do not. The full implications of Jesus saying that he must be lifted up. When we hear that phrase, we naturally think of exaltation. And that's perfectly true. Jesus will be exalted. The counterintuitive part is just how it is that Jesus will be exalted. He continues in perhaps the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. For God so loved the world. For God loved the world in this way that he gave his only son. So God will exalt Jesus by giving him. He will lift Jesus up, making him the name above every name, as St. Paul says in Philippians 2, because of the other way in which Jesus is lifted up. By emptying himself, clarifies St. Paul. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, says Paul, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He is lifted up in esteem by being lifted up on the cross. He is worthy of worship and praise because of the nails in his hands and the spear in his side. He is exalted in his sacrifice for sinners. I want to share with you some of the lyrics from the song that our choir will sing as this morning's offertory anthem, a song called High and Lifted Up. You'll hear them in a minute. In the wilderness we wander, bitten by our sin. We cry out for resurrection, finding none within. Those are the first lines, but it's really verse 3 that drives the point home. Gazing at my bleeding Savior, lifted, crucified, there I see my plague and poison traded for his life. Remember the brush fire and the hunter who burned a circle of safety around himself and his friend. Here we see the powerful meaning of the good news that a fire will not burn where a fire has already burned. When God decides to save his snake-bitten children in the wilderness, he has Moses put an image of a poisonous serpent, the very thing that is killing the people, up on a pole. That's what they look at, and that is how they're saved. They look up at an image of the very thing that is killing them, and they are rescued. This is a foreshadowing of the way that God will work through Jesus Christ, lifted up and bloodied on the cross at Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. God gave His only son. This phrase has so much weight and power. How was this giving done? God 
gave his son. In 2 Corinthians 5, St. Paul says that Jesus, who knew no sin, who was sinless, became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. The righteous one became sin so that we sinners could become righteous. Jesus, lifted up on a pole, became the very thing that was killing us so that we could be saved. He became sin to save you. The brush fire of God's righteous judgment burned itself out on him. In that moment on the cross, that climactic moment during which God turned away from his son and Jesus cried out, forsaken by his father, in that moment, God's judgment on the sin of the world was poured out. A fire of unimaginable proportions swept out of heaven and would have consumed every single one of us sinners. But fire cannot burn where fire has already burned. Jesus himself is the protective circle of already burned ground in which we hide ourselves. He has endured the fierce fire of God's judgment on sin. He has borne it and cried, it is finished. The fire has come and gone and we are safe. Like it was for God's children wandering in the desert, death has been defeated. We are in Christ. And a fire cannot burn where a fire has already burned. This is the fullness of what high and lifted up means. Yes, Jesus is exalted. He is high and lifted up in our songs, in our prayers, and in our worship. But he is high and lifted up in our praises because he was high and lifted up on the cross. Though he was sinless, he was made sin, shouldering the full weight of the sin of the world, the fierce heat of God's judgment to save us, the snake-bitten sinners who would have died, but for his intervention. So join us as we do what the snake-bitten Israelites did in the desert. Confess your sin. Acknowledge your faithlessness and the rightness of God's judgment. Ask God to be merciful for Jesus Christ's sake. Hide yourself in the protective circle of Christ's sacrifice. The place where the fire has already burned. The place where you will be safe. And then, turn your eyes upward. Look at the pole. Fix your eyes there on the cross, on the sacrifice, on the one who was high and lifted up for you. As our choir will sing in just a minute, look upon him and believe He's redeemed us. Look upon him and believe he will heal us. Look upon him for his scars show he loves us. 
Look upon him and live. Amen.